this special episode of The Midwife's Cauldron, I have been given the privilege of reading two stories from Mavis Kirkham and Nadine Edwards' new book, Free Birth Stories. If you haven't already listened to the episode where I interviewed Professor Emirata Mavis Kirkham with my special co-host, Dr. Sarah Wickham, then make sure you check it out. So now I leave you with two beautiful excerpts from the new book, Free Birth Stories. Prepare to laugh and cry at the wonders of birth. I'm Katie James and this is the Midwives Cauldron Podcast. Listen in as we hubble, bubble, toil and trouble our way through aspects of womanhood, midwifery, birth and lactation. If you love the show and want more from Rachel and me, then head on over to our websites and check out all the courses, books, collectives a go-go. You'll find all the details and occasional discount deals on the old Instagram. And if you really, really love the show, please consider two things, a single or a monthly donation over on Patreon or even buy me a coffee. And remember, that review you leave on your podcast host really makes a difference in who listens in. Thank you for your support. We just love having you bubbling away with us. Kerry's story. For pregnancy number four, I had already decided before I knew I was pregnant that I really did want a free birth this time and that I was going to fight tooth and nail for it. My reasoning was that I had birthed the previous two babies myself and had healthy pregnancies where I monitored myself and tried to avoid the midwives as much as I could. Naughty, I know, but I felt like I didn't need them. I wasn't ill, just undergoing a perfectly natural process for which my body had been perfectly designed. I knew my body better than any midwife could ever do, and I knew what pregnancy and labour entailed. I think the deciding argument for my husband was the fact that I refused to take three boys, now aged one, three and five, to the surgery for any appointments that I might have had. So I told him that if he wanted me to see the midwife, then he would have to take time off work roughly every two weeks and look after the boys while I went. He agreed, only with the caveat that I was sensible and went to the midwives at the slightest problem. So I didn't see a midwife or doctor for the entire duration of my pregnancy. I monitored my own health as I had done during my other pregnancies, and I felt marvellous. On the morning of the 11th of March, I woke up and discovered that I had lost my mucus plug, something I had done just before onset of labour with all my previous pregnancies. I carried on as normal, having the odd Braxton Hicks now and then, nothing that I would have called a contraction. Still, they were irritating me that they weren't getting any stronger, just fiddling around. So at around 11am with the other three playing happily with their wooden train track in our eldest's bedroom, I had a lie down on our bed. While I relaxed, I was hit out of nowhere with a very strong contraction. Marvellous, I thought, and waited to see if anything else happened. I had another four very strong contractions and then boy number three walked in wafting an unmistakable smell with him. So I got up to change his nappy and made it as far as the door, bending over as contraction number six arrived. I then felt like I desperately needed to wee, so asking the little one to wait for me, I went into our shower room, sat down, and discovered that I didn't need a wee, but rather that the head was almost crowning. 
Right, I thought, and decided that the most sensible thing would be to get into the shower and give birth, rather than trying to make it downstairs to get to the phone to ring my husband. He was working half an hour away and I figured he was going to miss it anyway. And as we were in a rented house, I didn't want to ruin someone else's carpet. So I stripped off, put my dressing gown on and got into the shower. As nothing was happening, I decided to break my waters as I could feel the bulging out with the head not far behind. I used my fingernail and once they broke, a contraction arrived and the head was on its way out. It was during this contraction that I heard footsteps and I looked round to see our second boy looking at me. What are you doing, mummy? He asked, to which I managed to reply mid-contraction. I'm having a baby, please go away. He did but only to tell his brothers the exciting news that mummy was having a baby come and see, just as the head was out and I breathed a sigh of relief, my least favourite part of labour. I turned to see all three of them lined up against the side of the shower. In the pause between contractions, they were bent over, looking at the part of their sibling they could see, making comments like, ah, isn't it cute? And so on. Then our oldest asked me where the rest of it was and why it wasn't coming out. I'm waiting for a contraction to push the rest out. To which he replied, What's a contraction? I was just contemplating, A, how do I answer that in a way a six-year-old will understand? And B, this is by far the strangest conversation I've ever had in labour. Fortunately, I was spared having to make that reply by the eighth and final contraction arriving and the three of them witnessing me birthing their little brother. There was great joy and clapping and their faces were wreathed in awe and wonder. It was fantastic. As I had cuddled the baby close to me, they hadn't actually spotted whether it was a little brother or a sister, so they asked. And more joy when it was revealed, our second child was going through an I don't like girls phase and had publicly stated that if this baby was a girl, he would put it in the bin. After our oldest had bought me the phone, they stood around looking at me and the baby for a bit and then asked if they could go back to their train track. It was a very matter-of-fact question, as if watching a baby being born was a perfectly normal thing. Get up, have breakfast, play with the train track, watch little brother being born, more trains, lunch with daddy, and so on. Perfectly normal day. I birthed the placenta into a washing-up bowl and carried it and baby still attached downstairs after I had showered and dressed. My parents arrived and my mum buried the placenta in the hole in the field next door that my squeamish husband had dug. He said that he'd dig the hole but wouldn't go anywhere near the goo, as he called it. Otherwise he'd probably pass out. This was a beautiful, quiet, intimate, gentle birth. And I am always thankful that I have a supportive family and that I have been blessed with a healthy body that works perfectly during labour. The presence of midwives at this final birth would have been superfluous and would probably have spoiled its magical quality. We don't plan on having any more children, but if we do, then I know that I would plan and pray for an identical rerun of this one. A perfect, joyful family event. I believe every mum should be able to choose how she wants to feed her baby and for how long. Currently, around 80 to 96% of women decide to breastfeed during their pregnancy, but by just eight weeks after birth, a third to almost 50% of those women have stopped breastfeeding. And of those women who stopped, 80% said that they stopped before they wanted to. 
Learning about breastfeeding during pregnancy has been shown to improve breastfeeding self-confidence and improve the rate of exclusive breastfeeding in the short and long term. It may feel like preparing for birth is enough information to be learning and absorbing. But as you are a listener of this podcast, you know that we cannot and should not be separating the thread that connects pregnancy, labor, birth, and once the baby has been born. Feeling empowered about making choices which are right for you is essential. Knowledge is power. And I want you to feel like you can stand up and say, I got this. That's why I created The Feeding Couch. Step-by-step, binge-worthy content whilst pregnant, or for those most tired of days postpartum, a dip-in-and-out go-to resource when you need to find an answer easily and ASAP. I've taken my 20-plus years of helping new families and I've put it into bite-sized films and graphics to take you from breastfeeding evolution to real-life experiences. The Feeding Couch is designed to give you the knowledge and confidence to navigate the beautiful and yet still at times challenging world of breastfeeding. To find out more, hop on over to my website and have a look at the incredible content waiting for your lucky peepers. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. For the whole of November, I'm offering an exclusive discount of 15% off the regular price. Simply use the code GOLDEN15 at checkout. That's G-O-L-D-E-N 15. And if you sign up to my email list, who knows, perhaps there's even a bigger discount waiting. But hurry, this only lasts for November. And also my podcast special of 10% off for my breastfeeding and lactation, the fundamentals course designed for birth workers continues as well. Simply use the code POD10, that's P-O-D-10, at checkout for the discount. Claire's story. When we decided to have another baby, I already knew that I would free birth. It had taken me some time and five births, but I truly knew that assuming that all was well during pregnancy, I didn't need, in fact actively needed to not have any interruption or interference during the birth. I chose to dip into antenatal care with the local team as and when I needed or wanted. This worked very well for me. One of my grievances is the feeling of handing over control and being swept along a conveyor belt of backside covering impersonal care. I simply declined and cancelled where necessary, staying and feeling very much in control of myself and my pregnancy, as it should be. At what other point in life do we expect grown adults to let you allow them to do things to their bodies because it's what we do? The birth itself was wonderful, normal, everyday, amazing thing. I was exactly 41 weeks pregnant. My contractions started sometime in the late morning, quietly and gently at first, not even enough for me to be sure that they were real. I carried on as normal with my day, still totally in denial that this was actually real. By lunchtime, I was thinking this probably was it. I made my lunch and ate as much as I could, knowing that I can't eat in labour, and played hearthstone. I also cleaned my kitchen sink, a job I'd been saving to do in labour as it had distracted me well last time. The contractions were short and not particularly regular, but really packed a punch. I didn't manage to clean the sink as much as I'd intended, and the cooker didn't even get a look in. This labour was demanding much more of my attention, and was way more intense. About 5pm-ish, I accepted that, yep, these were for real. This baby had decided to come today. But I was sure I had ages. 
My husband went to collect our son from work and I walked around downstairs swaying and leaning on things through the contractions. Now they were starting to pinch somewhat. While my husband was out, I messaged my friends to say something was happening. Still pretty sure at this point that I had ages. Things really picked up while I was alone for that half an hour and Elle came home to find me in the bathroom, a sure sign things are well on the way, leaning on the sink and swaying through the now pretty intense contractions. My eldest son chatted to us for a few minutes, but I was well away and needed privacy, so we shut the door with the children occupied by a film downstairs, and I settled somewhat uncomfortably leaning and swaying on our chest of drawers in the bedroom. The contractions were really intense, and I felt like I couldn't keep up with them. My breathing was too fast, and I was getting a tingly face from almost hyperventilating. It was like being swept out to sea and I was desperately trying to swim with it and not drown. My waters broke and I knew the baby was coming fast, and she did. I squatted down and she was roared out in two almighty contractions, involuntary pushes, only a few hours after I decided that yes, I probably was in labour. The best way to describe it is like a freight train, fast, huge and bloody uncomfortable, I'd hoped for another easy, relatively pain-free birth, with being unobserved. But it seems for me that just meant things happened even faster. I half caught her, half just cushioned her landing onto the inco pads we'd just managed to get down in time. This bit seemed like it happened in slow-mo, that weird time-slowing-down-before-your-eyes feeling, when something happens that leaves you acting totally on autopilot. I saw that she was wrapped in her cord, Remarked that she was and unwrapped her as I picked her up. She was utterly covered head to toe in meconium, which made her really slippy. But I cuddled her to my chest and she started protesting quite vehemently at the annoyance of being born. I said something to Elle about the meconium meaning we might need the midwives, meaning if she wasn't okay. But I don't think I was very clear in my just gave birth a moment ago state and he gave me a surprise. Really? I checked that she was a girl. We hadn't known the sex of the baby, but I was already referring to her as a girl as she was born, before I'd even checked. I think we knew we had a girl all along. We had no boys' names. This is always a giveaway for us. Her tone and colour were perfect at birth, and I had no concerns at all. She was perfect. Elle took some video, and the other children came in to say hello to her. Our four-year-old being most unimpressed at the volume of her crying. She had a little feed and then I was ready to move as I was uncomfortable on the floor ready to birth the placenta. I knew from previous experience that my placentas can take a while to come, but I was sure that this was simply because they sit at my cervix. I recognised the feeling clearly this time. The placenta had detached within minutes of the birth and was indeed ready to come out. I squatted again over a bowl and half pushed, half pulled the placenta and membranes out. I gave it a bit of a pull when one or the other, not sure which, was out. My blood loss was as I expected, very minimal. My periods are heavier. We then sat in the bed together and baby gazed for hours, eventually getting a tiny bit of sleep in the early hours. I tied and cut the cord after a few hours, once it became a bit inconvenient to keep it attached, and I felt ready. This was one of my bugbears about previous births. There's always someone saying, right, shall we do this now? Interrupting my instinctive behaviour and interfering with my space. 
It seems like such a small thing, but it sticks out like a sore thumb from my previous births. This time, I did everything exactly when the baby and I were ready. When she was eight hours old, I had her wrapped on my chest for the first time while I got food and everyone slept. I called the hospital the next morning to let them know that she was here and had a call back from a lovely but slightly confused midwife. She asked what I'd like her to do, and so I asked her to come out and check us over, which she did about an hour later. She went through the forms with us and weighed the baby, £8.10, ounces, just like most of her siblings. And that is the story of my sweet A's, uneventful, like a freight train, normal, extraordinary birth. Exactly what I'd hoped for. Just a normal event fitted into our day. No one in the way, interrupting or bringing me out of my birthing zone. Please don't press pause, but instead scroll on down on your podcast app. Yep, that's it. Down there and pop a review and maybe a few stars to make our eyes twinkle with glee. For more on breastfeeding and lactation content, head on over to my website where my course is. So all I got to say now is, see you next time. Wondering which of my courses is for you? Breastfeeding and lactation, the fundamentals has been designed for everyone working in the birthing field or those on their journey to becoming breastfeeding specialists or IBCLCs. This course gives you seven hours of CPD and is packed with reflective learning, case studies and some pretty tough at times quizzes to make sure this stuff sticks. It also means you can meet me monthly in my live Q&A. This is my course that I hope will fill in the gaps that traditional breastfeeding education has left out. I want you completing this, feeling confident to support any breastfeeding or lactation challenge of those in your care. But wait, I have another course called The Feeding Couch. Who's this for? Currently, around 80 to 96% of women decide to breastfeed during their pregnancy, but by just eight weeks after birth, a third to almost 50% of those women have stopped breastfeeding. And of those women who stopped, 80% say they stopped breastfeeding before they wanted to. Learning about breastfeeding during pregnancy has been shown to improve breastfeeding self-confidence and improve the rate of exclusive breastfeeding in the short and the long term. I believe every mum should be able to choose how she wants to feed her baby and for how long. Knowledge is power. That's why I created The Feeding Couch, designed to be watched during pregnancy or for new mums and parents who may be struggling right now with breastfeeding. The content is in step-by-step, binge-worthy whilst pregnant or for those most tired of days postpartum, totally easy to find exactly what you need and dip in and out when you need a breastfeeding answer quickly. And for you, beautiful podcast listener, there is a 10% discount off both courses when you use the code POD10, that's P-O-D-10, at checkout. To find out more, hop on over to my website, katiejames.site, and have a look at the incredible content waiting for your lucky peepers. (music)